This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it it is the best way to get to really know the guest. Welcome to today's episode. Today's guest is coming all the way from South Africa, half a world away from here sitting in Boston. And he's got a pretty unique story. His name is Travis Gale. And at the age of 18, Travis was inducted into the world of cause-driven adventure when he and a friend spent a year cycling 17,000 kilometers across four continents raising over $100,000 for vulnerable children. It was on the tour where Travis penned a vision for an organization called Apple Tree. After studying, Travis spent a year in Thailand working in the dive industry. His experience of the devastating 2004 tsunami catalyzed a return to South Africa with a renewed fervor to work with people. Upon return, Travis established Apple Tree alongside a group of consultants. Over the past 15 years, Travis has developed himself as a speaker, facilitator, consultant, and coach serving clients from a wide range of industries to enable human, transfer, to enable human transformation and shape a healthy culture. In 2018, Travis founded The Middle Brand, which encourages and enables individuals and teams to develop endurance, resilience and grit and we'll talk about that because that's probably the most important thing of what's happening today he's the author of the middle a book which was published and released in july of this year he's been married to his wife tony for 10 years and is the father of two cute and energetic daughters aged seven and three he's also swapped the bicycle for a pair of for a pair of trail shoes so travis welcome to the show hi ken great thanks so much for having me so tell us a little bit about who Travis is, how you got into this, the world of adventure, and um, there's a funny story of how we met as well. So love to hear it. Yeah, sure. No, so I mean, I, I was in high school in uh, 1998, finishing my final year of, of school. I was by no means a world-class sportsman. I think I played seventh team rugby. We had eight teams in my matric year. And... Um, a friend of mine just approached me one day and invited me to do this round-the-world cycle tour. Uh, I wasn't a cyclist. I mean, I, I think I had cycled no more than 10 to 12 kilometers before he asked me. Um, but we really resonated around this idea of cause-driven adventure, and I guess that's why he approached me. And that was just the uh, catalyst that I needed to finish school and, and get out there and do something that was going to make a difference. I think I was very restless. I didn't want to go and study at any form of tertiary education. I just wanted my life to count. I wanted to get out there and make a difference. And so this was a perfect opportunity to, um, to grab. Uh, and that, that got me into the world of endurance, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, the story evolved from there. Now, the world of endurance, too, is a, is a crazy place to be, right? I think it, it, sure. it sucks you in, and it's hard to get out of once you're there. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've really been enjoying it ever since then. I mean, how we met was, uh, you know, crazily signed up for this 100-mile trail run and 
Um, my wife and I got hooked on a, a show called um, The World's Toughest Race uh, or Eco Challenge. And that's where I watched um, Travis Macy and his father uh, take on that, that challenge. And so I asked him for a, a conversation. I guess I was looking for some encouragement around tackling this 100 miler. And that's where he mentioned you. And that's how we ended up on this call together, I guess. No, it is a small world and the endurance world is a great place to be. It's um, amazing people doing amazing things and many of the listeners here are endurance athletes as well. Talk to us a little bit about your trek across four continents. Which four continents were they? Tell us a bit, you know, I'm sure there's some interesting adventures along the way. Yeah, sure. So our route was, um, we kicked off in the city of Johannesburg, South Africa, and uh, our warm-up leg was from Johannesburg down to Cape Town, the mother city. Um, and that was during the month of January before we flew over to Australia. And our route, uh, our chosen route across Australia was from Perth through to Sydney. Uh, so from west to east, it was about 3,000 miles. Um, and then following that was America uh, or the United States, your, your part of the world. And that was Los Angeles to New York. Um, that uh, route was uh, hampered a bit by the snow that we encountered in Reno, Nevada, um, so we did basically San Francisco, LA to Reno, and then we flew down to Phoenix, Arizona and cycled across to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and then up to Kansas, uh, through Kansas, sorry, to Omaha, Nebraska, and then carried on along the, the Northern, um, States by Chicago through to, to New York. Uh, and then John O'Groats to Land's End, a very famous, um, about a 12 day cycle, uh, from the top of Scotland to the bottom of England. And then across from, um, to, to Amsterdam, a cycle from Amsterdam down to the bottom of the Italian boots. So that was through uh, Germany and France and, and Italy, and then um, down to Egypt and across from Egypt all the way through down to Johannesburg was the intended route. But prior to arriving in Egypt, we, uh, well, the, the route was impacted by some terrorist activities. So we ended up up in Israel and then flew to Nairobi, Kenya and cycled from Kenya through to Tanzania, Malawi, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and then back into, into South Africa. So that, that was the route across the four continents. Um, and of course the intent was to raise the million rand or the hundred thousand dollars for the children living with and affected by HIV and AIDS in KwaZulu-Natal. And yeah, we successfully got home and managed to raise at that time 1.7 million rand um, which would yeah, definitely be the equivalent, equivalent of over $100,000, as you mentioned. Wow, that's, that had to be a heck of a journey. And I'm sure you've seen, talk about culture shock and seeing different cultures along the way. Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, going from South Africa across to Australia, I, mean, I, I hadn't been overseas before. Um, we picked an interesting way to go around the world from a weather pattern point of view. So Australia was just, unbelievably warm. I mean, to cycle across Australia, going across the Nullarbor, um, there's not a lot in the middle of Australia, as you know, it's populated around the outside. So we were cycling between roadhouses, which were basically just a petrol station with a small campsite, sometimes a little bit more established with a restaurant and a bar, a lot of truckers moving across, you know, some very interesting characters to engage with. And it was really just about cycling long distances every day with very little infrastructure. One couldn't stop and pick up a Coke. One couldn't stop and buy something to eat. It was just take on the distance and move between those roadhouses, you know, take on the flies, um, you know, navigate all the, the dead kangaroos that were on the side of the road that were taken out the night before. And yeah, very interesting place to be. 
but then move over to America where such diversity in each state, uh, a much bigger population, so a lot more infrastructure, uh, coffee shops, uh, shops to, to, to buy food from. Um, we were exceptionally welcomed by the Americans. Um, I remember not having to pitch a tent once uh, in the United States of America. It was an incredible um, hospitality that we experienced there. Been taken into people's homes, uh, let uh, you know, people let us uh, sleep in, in, in churches and basements, wherever it might be. Um, and then, of course, going from there into the colder uh, UK and into the, the European summer, which gave us a nice kind of break from all of the speaking, just from a language point of view. And we got to just enjoy sleeping out in the open and, and, and of course, the incredible scenery of cycling over the Alps and whatnot. And then back into Africa, it was more around the exposure to what was going on with HIV on the continent and, and spending more time immersing ourselves in uh, the rural areas and just getting stuck into the fabric of what's happening on the continent rather than raising funds um, like we were doing in, in more of the first world um, countries that we were cycling to. Right. Wow, that had to be absolutely amazing. And like I said, seeing seeing the scenery and the cultures and like you said, being here in the US, I know I've done some long distance stuff down south and it's amazing how people embrace you and allow you to sort of, you know, crash in their yard, crash in the churches. Uh, I've done some pretty interesting adventure races all throughout New England too. And it's amazing what can uh substitute for a bed when whenever you need to to get under get under some shelter when things are happening absolutely and then those are the fond memories of bring home you know we talk about finding your tribe you know and, and who's on your crew and, and whilst we had an established crew at home in south africa and of course steve and i were, were running together it really was the people that we met who made the tour what it was you know and i think one of the most significant memories is staying with someone and then them phoning their friends 100, 150 kilometers down the road and, and setting us up with them and then them setting us up with someone else. And you just end up with this network of people that you end up staying with across a whole continent, which is an incredibly significant thing. No, it is. No, it's absolutely amazing, right? And I think that's what makes, that's what makes the adventure fun. It's, and yeah. like I was saying, it's it, it, people, there's no, as much as, you know, you see the turmoil in the world and everything else, 99.9% .9 of the people are, are amazing people, right? And they all want to help each other out. And I think that's what makes things exciting. Absolutely. And it gives you a real positive sense of humanity and it encourages you around the good things about the world when there's just so much negative polarizing stuff going on. Exactly. Talk to us a little bit about your book, The Middle, why you wrote it. It's a pretty interesting story. Yeah, so I got home from that cycle tour. I went to go and study. I did a, like an industrial psychology, uh, hu humanities, human resources type degree um, at a local university here in Durban. And then, of course, I went to Thailand and came home. And, and because of my experience of the tsunami, I wanted to get involved with people. And so that's when we, we, we began um, working in the apple tree space. And our work was predominantly soft skills facilitation workshops. Um, sorry, soft skills workshops, which I was the facilitator of. And I found myself using a lot of stories from the cycle to, I would share the story and then I would link that story to an insight. And whilst the start and the, the finish of the tour were incredibly significant days, really the stories that I was sharing were from the middle because the middle is where the, the story of the cycle tour was written. It was where we had all the highs and the lows and we had to dig deep and overcome challenges. 
And I found that a lot of the stories that I was sharing from the cycle tour were relevant uh, to the middle in other contexts. So I would be able to apply what I learned in the cycle tour to my relationships, to my career, to my entrepreneurship, to my relationship, and then eventually my marriage and, and, and now my parenting. And so eventually in 2015, I think it was, I realized I was sharing common stories and sharing common insights and that these would be good stories and insights to put into a book. And the middle book was a consolidation of eight stories from the cycle tour and eight associated insights that support people through the middle, which I define as the territory that we all have to navigate in pursuit of our goals. Uh, and so that's where the middle book was, was, was born from. No, in the middle, and, and I love what you're saying there, it's the middle is the journey, right? It's not the beginning, it's mm. not the end, but it's what happens in between. And that's really where the magic is. Absolutely. And I mean, what I say to people is we're always in the middle. I mean, as soon as I finished the cycle tour, I moved into starting the next phase of my life. So the, the first was just a transition into another middle. Um, and, and so we're constantly in the middle as long as we're breathing. And I like this sort of term of we need to develop middle intelligence. The, the more middle intelligence we can develop, then the more we can enjoy the middle and find fulfillment in the middle. Uh, and also just recognize that we as human beings were really made for tough terrain. You know, we've got what it takes to navigate a tricky middle and a tough middle. And we can reach significant finishes. Um, and we don't have to check out when times get tough. We don't have to give up. We can make it to the finish and we can finish well. Right. No, and that's exactly it. And, and like I've said, many listeners, the middle is all about, or the journey, the journey is the excitement, right? Once you get to the end, it's, that's the time to celebrate. And a lot of people yeah. in today's world get so nervous when they get to, hey, I got to go do this race, or I got to go do that race. And it's, if you haven't done the work by then, it doesn't matter anyways. And if you have done the work by then, it still doesn't matter because now is the time to have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as you say, pitching up at the start line, we, we want more people to do that. Um, but we avoid it because we're not quite sure about the middle and its unpredictability. But that, as you say, is where the adventure is written. You know, those are the memories that we always share with those around us. It makes a great story. <laughs> oh, exactly. Talk to us a bit about, you know, sport and the culture in South Africa. Many of the, you know, many of the listeners are here based in either the US or in, um, in Europe or, you know, Latin America, but don't know really a lot about the culture of sport in South Africa and the endurance sports down there. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, our, our country is very passionate about sports. Um, we have some some key sports in the country. One is definitely what we call soccer. Um, I think you would call it football. It's not your American football, but it's the... No, it's soccer here too. It's soccer. Yeah. American football is a whole different beast. Yeah. Okay. So you've got the soccer and that's, that's, that's an exceptionally popular sport. I mean, I, I think any South African will tell you just how unbelievable the 2010 soccer world cup was that we hosted here in South Africa. Um, so that's a major sport. And then the other major sports is definitely rugby. Uh, I know that the United States has a rugby team and I think you do compete in the, in the World Cup. Um, but that's a really, really big sport for, for, for South Africans. And then aside from that, into more of the endurance world, I guess, running um, and mountain biking. I mean, those two sports are really taking off. Um, mostly road running and, and, and road cycling and mountain biking are, are becoming very dominant sports. And so in South Africa, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of events. Uh, in fact, if, 
if I think about it now, on the weekend, most weekends is, is an incredible amount of either sports to watch on TV or events that you can go and partake in uh, and go and get stuck in with, you know. So uh, in my particular city in Durban, we live on the East Coast of South Africa. It's a very moderate climate. It's, it's generally warm. I mean, we, we dip into 18 degrees Celsius. is a cold day for us here in winter. Uh, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Um, but when you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and you get out onto the road, there's a multitude of people going for runs, going for cycling, um, surfing down at the beach, uh, going for long stand-up paddle boards or surf skiing. So it's a very active lifestyle that we generally live here in South Africa. And, and no matter what sport you choose, there's a lot of opportunities for you to develop yourself in that sport. And that's what's exciting, right? Is sport a culture down there or a lot of people active or is it more of you know there's different countries are different right of how active they are what's the what's the culture the culture like i would say we're definitely an active culture i mean you know i'll drive up my road and there's a park and in that park generally you're going to see people playing soccer um or i'll drive down to the beach and there'll be many people going for a run or going for a cycle or going for a surf you know so Wherever you go during the day, you're generally going to see people doing some sort of sport or some sort of activity. Um, and in a way, like today is Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday afternoon now down here in South Africa. Um, people will be going out and, and playing some touch rugby, playing some, some soccer, going down to the beach, um, going for a surf before they go and socialize for the evening. You know, that's, it's, it's a culture of finishing work and, and going doing something active and then moving from there into your social activities. Um, and so because of that, of course, the children get involved and it's, it's five-a-side soccer and it's touch rugby. And it's, it, it really is something that, that sits at the center of how South, South Africans connect. And then our, our, our barbecues or what we call bras down here in South Africa are generally built around the rugby games or the soccer games or the sporting activities. And that's one of our favorite activities is to, to eat together and watch sport together. Right. No, that's amazing. No, that's good stuff. And one of the races I see all the time posted is the, what, the Munga, the, the Munga mountain bike race. And what were they doing? They're throwing up a million dollars a couple of years ago to, for, the, for the winners. That, that seemed pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, probably our most famous international race, though, would be what we call the Comrades Marathon. Um, and that's a, a road race that runs between... Um, Two, two cities in South Africa. So uh, Peter Maritzburg and my hometown of Durban. And in actual fact, in South Africa, if you, if you run a, a, a typical road marathon of 42 Ks, people deem it to be more of a training run. And the comrades has really set the bar for ultra running. Uh, it's an 89 kilometer marathon um, between, between those two cities. And one year it's an up run and the next year it's a down run. So that's probably our, our race where we get an incredible amount of international people coming out as well as the two oceans down in Cape Town. And then in the mountain biking world, there's definitely a large amount of events that are starting to crop up where, where nationals are coming out. And then in the ultra trail, uh, trail running world, ultra trail Cape Town, I uh, ran it last year. There were uh, many internationals running that. And then of course, we're now starting to get into the 100 miler world following in the footsteps of your country. Uh, and I've seen more and more contestants and, and more people coming out from overseas to run those as well. And talk to us a bit about some of the training that you're doing, right? You know, you said at first you weren't really the, the super endurance athlete that, you know, that you're going after now. Talk to us about how, how you train, how you pull it off. How do you do it running the consulting business? Because everyone's always looking for, 
new ideas or say, hey, if this guy can do it, why can't I do it? Yeah, I think I swapped the bicycle for the trail shoes. Well, I pretty much started running when I had kids. I think it was a case of running for me was the most accessible sport where as a consultant, I would travel. And to be able to put a pair of running shoes into my, my bag was a whole lot easier than trying to pack down a bicycle, you know, and take it with me. So I found running to be an incredible, incredibly accessible sport. And then even with surfing, you know, you would go down and you'd look for waves and sometimes you'd find them, sometimes you wouldn't. And sometimes you'd be out there and you'd sit around a bit and you wouldn't get the cardio uh, that you were looking for, you know. Um, and so for me, running really started off as, as just a way to make sure that I got out for some guaranteed exercise, uh, some guaranteed cardiovascular activity, and then just a great way to get my head into the right space. And then as I, I started to do it, I realized I really enjoyed it. But I also just found myself really passionate about the trail space rather than the road space. But for me, living in the city, uh, we don't have a lot of access to trails around me. So it's, it's really about breaking out of my home for up to an hour at a time and doing what I call just laying a 10-kilometer base. So we have a, quite a strong culture in the running community of gathering. Uh, in different locations around the city and running a 10K. That's, 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 that's quite a strong culture. And I found that as soon as I got myself up to a strong 10K where I could go and run it, I could run it well, then I could build from there. So for me, it's about keeping the 10K base and then starting to enter events which would stretch me above and beyond that. So it started with 21Ks and then, of course, moving into some of the, the marathon worlds and the ultramarathon worlds. Um, but because it's such an accessible sports as long as my communication with my wife is you know, done well and everything's planned properly, I can get three to four sessions in a week where I can run between an hour up to three hours, uh, depending. And that gives me enough of a, a, a base leading up to the events and then you know, four to five weeks before the events, if I do need more, I'll, I'll, I'll look for the time and carve it out. No, and that's it. And, and that's the good thing about running, right? I, I really like about it too. It's much more, I think it's much more efficient than going out and, and grabbing your bike. Your bike, it seems like you have to go longer and further to get the same workout that you do when you throw on a pair of running shoes, number one. But number two, you can always have a pair of running shoes with you no matter where you're traveling. And then you can go yeah. out and sort of let it rip from there. Absolutely. And it, there's, a, there's a simplicity to it, you know. Um, Surfing is probably the next, the next step in simplicity. But for me, the, the ability just to slip on a pair of shoes and go and not have to worry about punctures, not have to worry about... I do a bit of kite surfing down here as well. There's quite a lot of, of, of kite surfing that happens. And, but that's going down to the beach. It's taking out the kite. It's pumping it up. It's running the lines. You know, there's a whole lot of complexity that goes into that versus just putting on the shoes and, and hitting the mountains. Right. No, exactly. And you can be out and, and going hard. If you can go run hard for an hour, an hour and a half, you're among <laughs> some of the best out there. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. believe me. And like you said, you go for two, three hours. I used to do a lot when my kids were your age was uh, take them out in the stroller, right? The double stroller. I think my daughter yes. was a little bit older, you know, six, seven. And she's like, I'm not going in that. So I used to have to bribe her to go, but it was great <laughs> because my wife would never say, Hey, don't take the kids for, a long run and you know you could go as long as you wanted to <laughs> absolutely no, that's that's definitely a good a good plan right now the world that, that that we had one stroller that had gone all over the world from australia to the dominican <laughs> to i think europe everywhere and this thing i think the thing had 
<laughs> total travel had to have like a hundred thousand miles on it. The thing was unbelievable. And when we got to the point where we actually moved last year, we're like, Hey, we can't even give this thing away anymore. It's, it's so beat up <laughs> because it was, it was used so much. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the plans that you have. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the book, how people can find you a little bit more about what you're up to. Yeah, sure. So um, I turned the middle book into an online course. So uh, people have been engaging with, with the middle uh, content via an online platform, which has been great. I think where I've become really passionate, though, is, is part of my offering is I do workshops uh, for corporate teams where we use the middle insights to develop an endurance ecosystem. So it's about how they navigate their collective, uh, navigate towards their collective goals. So we explore topics of grit and resilience and we, we, we just work um, as a collective to, to fuel that within a, in a corporate space. Uh, and then we typically look for an opportunity to then go on an actual journey. Um, so I call these journeys a condensed version of life. You know, when you can stand at a start line and get to a finish line within a 28 to 48 hour, 24, 48 hour period, it's a way of emotionally connecting with the middle insights, you know. Um, and that means that you've got a lot more uh, propensity to kind of apply those insights into the, the other areas of life. So between the online uh, course and, and the book and my workshops and the actual journeys I'm taking people on, I guess I'm just really finding ways to put the middle insights in front of people and um, to, to, to work with them uh, and to stand in the middle with them. You know, and I'm learning an incredible amount from how other people are navigating the middle. And I'm just really enjoying how the middle is catalyzing an opportunity for people to, share, to connect around their context and, and what it means to live in the middle of whatever they, they might be doing. Interesting stuff. No, that's, that's good stuff. So um, Travis, tell us a little bit about, you know, we're coming up here on a half hour. Tell us a little bit more how people can find you, where they can find your book, what's going on. Yeah. So I mean, in an American context, I guess the, the middle.co.za is, is my website. So that's .co.za, which is a South African domain. Um, but it is on Amazon. It's a, it's a published book. So one can buy it on Amazon. I'm, can give you the link uh, so I guess the Kindle version um, it is available in bookstores but you need to be down here in South Africa to, to, to buy it um, I do have plans to record it so I hope to get it onto audible quite soon so I'll keep you posted on that um, but via the middle website uh, all my social media channels are there on Instagram and Facebook it's typically the middle journey which is my, my handle and uh, yeah it'd be great to meet some people and to hear from them to have them interact with some of what we're doing. And if anybody's ever coming out to South Africa, uh, I'd love to return the, the unbelievable hospitality that I received when I came over to America. Perfect. No, this is awesome. And that's one part of the world I want to get down to too. So definitely would love to go out on some journey and some adventure. So thank you for being part of this. You are great. Your insights have been tremendous. Keep up the good work and keep up doing what you're doing. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look forward to meeting you one day in person. And if anyone has any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to me at kenandexecutiveathletes.com. 
Um, I'm here. I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon with <laughs> the, the current COVID situation. So hope you're enjoying the podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe and um, leave any comments that you would like. So thanks for listening. Go out there. Keep crushing it, making it happen, and have a blast. Thanks for listening.